Hey, welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. My name is Doug. I am a pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church in Shelton, Washington. We're a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can learn more about us at our website, faithshelton.org. This podcast is being recorded for the third Sunday in Lent, March 12, 2023. I'm preaching through the Book of Romans this spring. By Grace Through Faith is the series title, and today we're in week three, looking at Romans chapter 5. Today's big idea is, is Paul's claim that we have peace with God. This is by grace through faith apart from works of the law. By grace we have peace with God, forgiveness of sins, and courage for life. Let's read from Romans chapter 5 and see what God has to say to us today. Romans chapter 5, beginning at the first verse. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also boast in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Therefore, Paul says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. The book of Romans here and and throughout insists that God has always been about grace and mercy, and kindness, from Moses to Malachi, and to the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God. God's very nature is grace, mercy, kindness. God's wrath doesn't need to be satisfied by blood or the law, Paul says. God doesn't deal with us according to our sins, as the psalm says, but as a parent with their children. God loves us and shows us compassion. We are at peace with God, not at war. God doesn't have a problem with you. God doesn't have a problem with us. We have peace with God because of who God is, God's nature, God's sovereign will. We have peace with God simply because God says so. God loves you. Deal with it. In my younger days, I used to summarize the gospel as grace in your face. For we live by grace, the grace of God. And we have peace with God. That said, keeping the faith, trusting in God's grace isn't easy sometimes because, well, sometimes life is hard. Our bodies break down. Then there's that 100% mortality rate and hormones and politics and storms and droughts and cancer. And people can be downright mean to each other, Amen. And when things are hard, the question is inevitable. Where is God? Where is God when it hurts? Where is God when I am hurting? Why do bad things happen? And the most honest answer is simply we don't know. Mostly, bad things happen because, well, bad things happen. One of the most honest prayers in the Bible is found in Psalm 90. Lord, grant me as many good days as bad. It's to say, biblically speaking, coming out of life 50-50 is as good an outcome as one can hope for. 
Sure, some of what we go through is our own darn fault, the consequences of a lifetime of choices, some good, some bad. There are even occasions in life when we can look at a situation and figure out that God is trying to get our attention. But most of all, most of the time, most of life just happens. We're products of our biology and chemistry and relationships, our technology, our politics, social status, and chance. Here in Romans chapter 5, I appreciate Paul's wisdom about these matters. The main thing to know is that God is good, that we have peace with God. God loves us, and that God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God is with us. God is in us. God is for us. And God doesn't tend to swoop in and protect us from all the bad things that happen. Rather, more often, it is the Christian experience that God comes to us through, uh, comes to us and helps us through the hard stuff. That's what he says in verses 3 through 5, right? We, we also uh, boast in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, please, don't ever try to comfort a friend in a difficult situation by suggesting that God is putting them in this situation to make them stronger. But what is true is the faithfulness of God. So that even in times of suffering, there can, uh, even in times of suffering, these can be times of deepening faith and a deepening of our understanding of God's love. In suffering, we can learn compassion and mercy. We learn resolve, fortitude, confidence, resiliency, and hope. After the fact, looking back in faith, after the crisis, um, we, can, we can come to trust God and sing the old hymn, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. The rest of chapter 5, Paul offers up the image of Jesus as Adam and Eve 2.0. If the legacy of the first humans is sin, then the legacy of Christ Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, is grace. If original sin is a thing, Paul says, then original grace is even more of a thing. The gift, he says, is greater than the trespass. Grace trumps the law. Just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, Paul says in verse 18, so also one righteousness results in justification for all people. This is grace in your face. God loves you. Deal with it. Now, Paul isn't making this stuff up. He received it from God. And it is consistent with what Jesus preached and demonstrated in his own ministry. A reading from Matthew chapter 9, beginning at the first verse. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came into his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, for your sons are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. But knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe 
they praised God who had given such authority to regular people. In this story, a group of people brought their friend to Jesus for a healing word. Take heart, Jesus says to the man. Your sins are forgiven. Which maybe wasn't exactly what his friends were hoping for at the time. I mean, forgiveness is great and all that. But meanwhile, Jesus senses that there are some religious folk nearby who disapprove. They believe that people get what they deserve and that this man's paralysis was proof of God's displeasure with the man. Now, I should just mention that these sorts of religious folks are still around today. I've had people tell me that if I would just pray harder, God would answer my prayers and make me healthier, happier, or more prosperous. Good things happen to good people, they tell me, and bad things happen to bad people. I should also note that even these sorts of people are also precious children of God. But Jesus came to proclaim the kingdom of God that is based in grace, not in the law. He has authority to forgive sins, and to prove it, he tells the man to go ahead, get up, and walk. And the man just does just that. I do wonder about the relationship between the forgiveness thing and the get-up-and-go-home thing. I wonder if Jesus knew something about the man's situation that maybe Jesus knew there was some history there, some hard feelings, some guilt or shame that would have made going home impossible without forgiveness. Take heart. He says to the man, your sins are forgiven, he says to the man. Now get up and go home, he says to the man. And he does. Now I expect that his friends who had brought him to Jesus are delighted and that the grumpy religious people are still grumpy. But the story concludes with the crowds on the verge of freaking out. Filled with awe is the nice way of saying it. They're freaking out because Jesus had demonstrated exousia, power and authority to forgive sins and bring healing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me leave you with three takeaways today. The first is this, God's word for you today, O listener. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. God is for you. God is with you. Your circumstances, your past, do not define you. Your performance in your relationship to the law or to God or to the church or to anybody else does not define you positively or negatively. Here today, you have been carried through the prayers and encouragement of faithful friends and loved ones into the presence of Christ who gives you this word. You are loved. Your sins are forgiven. You have peace with God. And this is simply the case. God loves you. (laughs) Deal with it. The second takeaway is take heart. If you are human, mortal, upright and taking nourishment, you're either going through some hard stuff right now, you're just recovering from some hard stuff right now, or you are about to go through some hard stuff. This is what it means to be human, mortal, and alive. To be sure there is much beauty and goodness in the world. And to be sure there is much suffering and loss in the world. The man brought to Jesus in the story literally can't walk. And Jesus says to him, take heart, be of good courage. Why? 
because his sins are forgiven. His circumstances don't define him. And so now I say to you, take heart. No matter what you've seen, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been or what you've said, take heart. Be of good courage. Neither your past nor your present circumstances define you. God's grace is what defines you. And God's grace is sufficient to carry you through whatever suffering and struggles you are facing. Whatever you are going through, God's good will for you is to take courage, lean into it, take up your mat, persevere, and walk. And my third takeaway for you is this, that now it's your turn to forgive sins. You have been given the exousia of Christ, the authority and power to proclaim the forgiveness of sins. So congratulations, you are a preacher. And your congregation is your family, your kids, your grandkids. You see, I can't preach to them because they don't come to church. You need to go to them. You are their pastor You are their church. You are likely the only Bible your loved ones will ever read. So tell them. Tell them that they are loved. Tell them that their sins are forgiven and that they are held in the grace of God. Tell them that God is faithful and that they are never alone. Carry them to Jesus in your prayers every day. And here's the most important thing. Talk to Jesus about your kids more than you talk to them about Jesus. You have been given the exousia, the authority and power of God to forgive sins. So for the love of Christ, use it. Now, in the next chapter, Romans chapter 6, Paul begins to describe our life washed in baptism, free from the law, led by the Spirit, even as we daily struggle between the old me and the new me. But that's a word for next time. Today I want to leave you with the lyrics of a beautiful song called Blessings, written by Laura Story. She sings about God's faithfulness in those hard times, and it reminds me a lot of what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. She sings this. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace. Comfort for family protection while we sleep. We pray for healing and for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while you hear each spoken need, yet you love us way too much to give us lesser things. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. And we cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness, we doubt your love, as if every promise from your word is not enough. (laughs) And all the while you hear each desperate plea and long that we'd have faith to believe. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? When friends betray us and darkness seems to win, 
We know that pain reminds this heart that this is not, this is not our home. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? And what if the thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? And what if trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, are your mercies in disguise? Thanks for listening today. I hope this podcast series is helping you fall more deeply in love with the God who created you, who loves you, and has a purpose for your life. God loves you. Deal with it. To learn more about faith, go to our website, faithshelton.org. I hope you'll like us or subscribe or donate or sign up for our newsletter. You can get this podcast on most podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, and Google. Chaz, Nadia, thank you for your production work on this podcast every week. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mm-hmm.